you approach a two-way path. To one side, you see a door of many colors. To the other, you see a hallway, well-lit but ominous. What do you do? I roll for perception. Go ahead. 24. You walk a little forward, and then a figure appears. You see nothing but a hand reaching out with a microphone. Tis a cat that tells you you must podcast. Roll for initiative. The podcast attacks. The podcast became a kitty. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the next, the newest and next episode of Talk Nerdy to Me, baby. We're talking about Dungeons and Dragons. In case you've never played and/or heard a Dungeons and Dragons thing, which is hard to do nowadays, seems to be everywhere. Yeah, but if for some reason you haven't. The opening bit might have confused you. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're a cat, it just made you hungry. Indeed. Uh, So. She's using a short rest. (laughs) (laughs) She's using the hero's feast to suddenly (laughs) sacrifice all of your money and you have a smorgasbord. She will be all powerful in about 30 minutes. Yes. So, uh, you are a bit of a D&D expert. Would you like to explain your background in it the D, D and the D? D. Uh, I've been playing D&D for mm, four-ish years, I think. Is that all? Yeah. It hasn't actually been that long. I've loved it longer and all of that, but I never had anyone who would actually play with me. Ah, yes. Always the trouble. Yeah, and I've never tried online D&D, though I know there are ways to play it. I was a little bit intimidated because it's hard to be a girl entering a space sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Critical Role made that a lot easier afterwards, but I started actually playing D&D by going to a local game store that had uh, D&D nights on Wednesdays or Thursdays, um, and they were just a local one. You could go, you could sit at a table, and you could play whatever. I, the first D&D game I ever played was a Star Trek D&D of course. And I was a Vulcan. Uh, of course. <laughs> um, and it was really fun. It was my first time and I was like, I made lots of rookie mistakes, but I did. I always seem to be the person in D&D who keeps a level head. <laughs> um, and we were tasked with exploring this planet as one does when you are in a Star Trek universe. And we were there to... Uh, figure out what was going wrong and people started going crazy and there were like these cats that were like mutant cats and eventually... Much like the one in this room right now. Right? She's she's very similar. I've had traumatic flashbacks sometimes thinking about it. Uh, but we would get chased, we were getting chased around the thing and I pretty much abandoned my whole team to go actually finish the science portion of the mission and I saved the day. Which was great. So I on the other hand <laughs> have not done... A lot of D&D physically yet. Uh, I'm currently in a Legend of Zelda campaign, yeah. which is very fun. I play a Zora Bard. Which is a fishy man. Yes, fishy man bard, which, which is a great is, combo. I also think, we were talking about what you would be in life, you would probably be a bard. I think so. I think, I, I really think so. We were talking right before we started about like what we would actually be, like what class or whatever. It all started with the cat trying to do, uh, well, just failing and... IRL acrobatics check and just being derpy and so so she she is very much a rogue that rolls terribly half yes. the time. Yep, she's just a rogue who constantly gets uh 
natural one. Yeah. A crit she, fail. she crit fails, as I believe we all crit fail in life sometimes. Yeah. But, and those moments almost are as epic and memorable as the times when you get in that 20. They certainly were the last time, uh, my last session. I was pinned down by a column. Ooh. And that pretty much was my experience almost the whole session. <laughs> Did you just keep rolling to get out from under Well, it? I did once, and then I summoned Bigby's hand and literally flicked it away. <laughs> I but was like, did. enough enough out of you, Colin. But I was going to say, like, how many times did you try to get it off of you before you were like... Well, I didn't think I could, because I thought since I was pinned down, I wasn't able to cast anything. But I managed to, and got it off of me. Uh, the difference between grappled, restrained, and pinned. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a test. So, I've done both DMing and just straight up playing. But I do a lot of studying <laughs> because I find it really interesting. I feel like that helps a lot. And so I've done a lot of videos about making different classes into D&D because I find it really fun to try to create it. Kind of like what you're doing with The Legend of Zelda where you kind of take the rules of the 5e and make it fit the thing that you're trying. And I find that very interesting. Like I, I sometimes I find myself seeing a character in something I'm watching or a game I'm playing, and I'm like, hmm, what class would you be? And that's called homebrewing, <laughs> where you take the rules that are there and you kind of mishmash, mangle them, mash them up in a pot, and spill out a new thing that you can use in your game. And D&D stew is the best kind of stew. Indeed. So how did you really get into wanting to play D&D? It's something I always had a curiosity in, mostly because I play a lot of RPG video games, mm -hmm. and the, I mean, so many games, especially Western RPGs, have such a high influence from D&D, &D. Mm -hmm. and so, you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, I want to discover my roots, <laughs> <laughs> and it all goes back to D&D, &D. and... Because D&D's been around for a very long time. Yes, and so everyone seems to have their thing, like their universe, their world that they really enjoy. I know one of yours is Star Trek, obviously. Yeah. Uh, mine is Lord of the Rings. And so I have been jaded by D&D in the past <laughs> because I couldn't ever seem to get a campaign to continue to keep the ball rolling. So this is the first time I've been able to do that. And it's just gotten, it's just lit a fire under my butt to just keep doing it. I just want to keep doing it. I want to do all the all of the things. And there's a lot of worlds that I want to... Explore. ...mishmash, as you said. I also really enjoyed just making up your own world, which is what we did in the longest campaign I ever did. Mm -hmm. uh, so the first... I did one session. I guess you could call it a one-shot, because we could never get back together. But uh, it was Lord of the Rings, and I was the Dunedain Ranger. Ooh. And I took a lot of influence from the Third Age, which yeah. is a video game, mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings video game. I'm uh, familiar which took a lot of influence from D&D and completely stole the battle system from Final Fantasy X. But that is neither here nor there. And that is not, the, we're not talking about stealing things today. Yes, even though that is... So many things have stolen from D&D, at least their structure. Also, people steal things all the time to put in their games. It's true. It is true. Uh, and so the second campaign was actually with you for a couple of sessions. Oh yeah, we did Starfinder. It was Starfinder. a Starfinder, yes. And... Uh, I was a technomancer because I really like magic and I like technology. And it was the first D&D campaign I'd really done other than the one-shot Star Trek one where I got to actually use technology. Yeah. I 
was a pilot uh, somewhat based on... It was just a mishmash... Mishmash? Mishmash. 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 Of a couple of different Star Wars characters that I really like, but uh, I was the pilot, and I liked... Uh, I had a droid sidekick with me. I just like droid sidekicks. No. Mostly because K2SO is brilliant. But also, in the older public games, the HK droids are just the sassiest little robots you've ever seen. And so I was, I was like, I have to have me some of that. Well, you can also look forward to a Star Trek versus Star Wars episode coming up at some point, And I'm sure one of the points is the AI. Oh, yes. So. Be prepared. Be prepared for that. <laughs> um... But yeah, and so now I'm doing this one, uh, and I have a lot of ideas. One of them I really want to do, uh, and I think for that one I'd need to be a DM, so I will be hopefully trying my first DM position at some point. I I will say this to everyone, because I give advice to a friend of mine about being a DM all the time, because he does DMing for his small group of players, and he gets he has a lot of nerves about some of it. Um, so he'll come to me with questions and stuff, because apparently I just seem like I have knowledge of things. You do. So what is, what's some DM advice you could give? Uh, it's not as hard as you think it is. The best thing to do is to get a short grasp of the rules, and I highly recommend the official, uh, if you're playing in 5e, to get the official Dungeon Master's screen, because on the inside are all the notes that you need about different things. Mm. Um, to do a little bit of prep work, and just to make sure that you're letting your imagination like, unfold because the things that you would find fun to do are most likely what your campaigners will have fun doing, as well as maybe giving an email chain or talking about it before your first session about what people really want to do. Because the biggest thing is, and I've seen it happen in a lot of different ones, our group, like, my main group was pretty good about, like, what people wanted out of it. Um, But it's good to know whether or not your players really want to do combat like, are they in it for the fights? If they want to do a lot of role-playing? Mm-hmm. If they're in it for that? If they want, like, their big story moments? So, like, if they want an overarching plot of something to happen? Whatever it is that they're looking for, to know that your group, if they mesh well. Because the thing is, if you have uh, yes. <laughs> two people who really just want to hit things, they're going to ruin it for the party who wants to go talk to all the townspeople, and do all that because they're going to be like, let's just go smash like a barbarian would. Um, and it's, it, you have to make sure your team works well and you know what they want and what they want from you. But the other thing is you have to be willing to, you know, control your players. And so I've seen ones where, and this happened with us before, where, you know, the DM makes a call, the player doesn't like it or thinks it's unfair, and they ruin the game for the rest of the day. And it's really important to make sure, like, you take control in a situation where there's discrepancy in a group and then address it after the game so that you don't ruin the game for everyone else. And it's very important to make sure that people know that, you know, you're open. Like, I, this is how I do it. It's I'm open to how people think the game should be, but you have to accept my call when I make it. And so if you can get that kind of relationship where someone can be like, well, I don't think this really works and this is why, and you're like, I understand that. We have to go forward from where we are right now, but I will keep that in mind if that happens in the future. Just different things to control a group because that's the biggest hardship 
is making sure people are having fun and having a good time. Yeah. Uh, this current session has been really great for that because it's been a little bit of everything. And uh, I like the the attitude where the DM wants you to succeed as much as you do. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, a DM who's just out to do, like, a TPK. Is... Yeah, I've heard some stories from friends of, like, DMs that just have a huge chip on their shoulder for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just like, why, why are you doing this if you don't want to enjoy it? Because and you don't want other people rush. to enjoy it. But I'm like, still, it's just, it's, it's just fun with dice and numbers and stuff. And, yeah. uh, and it's also um, a thing as a DM is letting your player's creativity lead you also. Because it's good to have a plan of where you're going, but it's good to have backup plans for if your characters go a crazy way or not, or um, if... I think you should also be able to, to laugh at that, too. Because sometimes my party is... We're, we're a bunch of misfits, and so sometimes things happen that weren't exactly what were planned, yeah. and we can all laugh about it. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's just... It, it's it's that, that sporadic nature of everything is just what makes it fun. Um, the other thing... Roll a stealth check, Kitty. And she fails. She fails stealth check. Um, one time we were playing and our DM 100% thought that we were going to follow this one path right away because, so we would switch off who was DMing depending on, like, storyline. And so his character, since he was going to be DM, uh, his character... Hello, Kitty. Such a rogue. Yeah. Once a rogue, always a rogue. Even if she's not a good roller. Um, he thought we were going to go straight after his character because his character ran off into the woods to find something. Uh, but, like, he gave such a plausible reason that this character would be away for a while that we didn't know it was supposed to be, like, a rush situation. So he had a whole adventure planned for us to go into the forest and find this elven kingdom and all of that. And we went to go talk to... His name was Shipmaster Gron, who was this, like, pirate with uh, hooks for hands and all this kind of stuff who was really fun. And we talked to him, and he asked if we wanted to help him build a boat. So we ended up doing that and sailing out into the water and finding this underwater cavern that he had not planned at all and had to just kind of throw together because we took a completely other route. It ended up with his character dying because he didn't want to play him anymore. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh but you know, it was it was a character arc, but it, it was a good example of just being willing to like roll with the dices Dice. <laughs> and kind of go with what your players want to do. Uh, I think that, well, I mean, obviously we can't, well, we've already mentioned it once, but Critical Role has become such a huge part of the, the D&D culture. Uh, and, you know... As an actor, D&D is just one of the best things you can do to feel creative energy because whether you're the DM, you have to create story, you have to tell a story, or you play as a character. It's literally Mm role-playing. So it's every aspect, I think. I'm one of those people that's like, everything I do, I want to be worth my time. And so I find D&D very worth my time because even if, you know, I'm just playing in a a silly character or whatever, it's feeding my brain with creative energy Mm -hmm. and doing creative things. And 
It's all improvising. I was gonna say, if which I love improvising. So it feeds the same part of your brain that likes to do improv. Yeah, so I, that's that's why I feel so drawn to it. As people who like acting, uh, doing campaigns that allow you to actually do role playing is really fun, and it lets you learn how to. As someone who never did a lot of improv, because I haven't. Um, it was a really good way to test whether or not I feel like I could follow a thing without having any kind of script. Which, yes. Yes, I could. <laughs> um, and it it's a good way, especially if you feel safe in the group that you're with, to explore your own creativity and being other people and all of that, even if you're not an actor or if you're not like an overly creative person at all. You have this plethora to be whatever you want in whatever spectrum, you, the game is only as small as your imagination lets it be. And I also really, really enjoy the the puzzle and problem solving aspect of the game. Mm -hmm. Because if you're in a fight, you have all these tools and all these skills and all these spells or whatever you have at your disposal. And I like the reward of being like, oh, I use this in a certain way. Because you're not bound into... Like in a video game or something, you have this attack and you cast a spell. No, you can be creative and be like, oh, I make an icicle and then put it up in the ceiling and then let it drop on the dragon's head or something. Yeah. You know, you have unlimited possibilities. Or and at least from based on what you have. Yeah, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Yep, but I mean, that's, that's also the fun of it. Uh, I think another thing about DMs hey. that are... Hey, okay, you're bad guy. Once a rogue, always a rogue. Uh, but much like Matt Mercer, uh, anytime we get, we do a really good final attack on a on a creature, we always get asked the question, how do you, do you want to do this? this? <laughs> Which I think, I mean, yeah, he's coined the phrase, but it, it's a great way to say it, because letting your people actually get that moment. To me, that's the heart of D&D, is mm -hmm. getting, that, getting your moment... Let, allowing yourself to dictate that moment and I don't know it's you get excited for the other player uh, and it's just it's the one one part of a D&D session where everyone's just like yay in the best best possible way to me that's like peak D&D yeah is, cause it's like that moment of like oh my god oh my god oh my god we did it yes and oh boy some of the how do you want to do this is our Insane, okay. yes. So, I would like to ask, uh, your character, yes. do you want to kind of explain who he is, how you formed him, and picked what, what you wanted him to be? So, I, I knew I wanted one of two things. Uh, I either wanted my character to be a fighter in the form of a Gerudo, but as, uh, for those of you who know Legend of Zelda, there is one male Gerudo born every, I think, it's 1,000 years. Yeah. And... And so I was going to play one of those characters. But I found out we already had a Gerudo fighter, and I was like, yeah, I don't, we don't need two of these. So I'll go with my other option, which is a Zora Bard. And I'm like, I, I've never played a Bard, but it just seems really fun. And, and so it was just one of those characters that was instantly there. I kind of based him off of, uh, from the game Majora's Mask. Uh, in that game, you, you take on the mask of... Uh, so they're dead there are dead characters or characters that are dying when you find them 
and they put their spirit into a mask and then you go when you put that mask on people think that you're that person Mm -hmm. and you basically are that person in a way uh but the zora character that you get to do or get a mask of is part of a band and i'm like well that's perfect for a bard and the zoras and majora's mask and ocarina of time have my favorite zora look and so uh he has a guitar made of like fish bones (laughs) And so I ran with that, and since it's kind of spiky at the end, we have a running joke in my group uh, that my weapon is swordfish, rapier, bass base, because the tip of it is like a swordfish. The the Mm -hmm. fish that it's bones of is a swordfish, so it acts as a weapon, and it acts as a slap base. Specifically slap base, yes. (laughs) And uh, I just made him just this goofy dude that's just not bright, Except his intelligence stat is surprisingly very high. Uh, and so you have this guy that's just... I'm, I'm essentially the comic relief in my group, but also charismatic to the point where it's just weird. It's just like... I, I like I like the idea. I like being that character that's uh, kind of like Goofy and Kingdom Hearts or just in general, you know, that character that you kind of laugh at until all of a sudden they're super poignant out of nowhere and you're like, where did this come from? I really enjoy doing that. My character's name is Orin, by the way. Mm-hmm. I just put in my... I just put in a... I used a Zelda name generator and that just... Once I saw that one, I was like, oh yeah, it's a perfect fit for him. And so, yeah, he's just the Goofy guy that... Uh, is lovable and can't help but do the goofy things and then oddly enough whenever he needs to be he's he'll say the most poetic things and you're just like where did where did that come from um but i know in in a minute we'll get to some stories from our characters and so since he's the one i've used the most aka more than three sessions uh all my stories are from him but yeah he's a he's a fun little dude and i love him dearly what level is he right now uh, currently level 11. We've been kind of moving along quickly because it's a, it's a lot shorter. It's a short campaign, but I think only about like 20 sessions or or so. It's very, the the setup is very episodic, but uh, I really enjoy that because we've just been kind of hopping along to each of the Legend of Zelda worlds and some of them original ones that our DMs created. So like recently, about two weeks ago, we were in, uh, we're essentially helping the Link in each world get to his quest mm-hmm. uh and so one of them was the hero song and so we had to rhyme otherwise we would take psych damage because of a curse that was placed upon that world and since the npcs don't have a lot of health there were a lot of head explosions Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes the lovely oh yes and i have a little uh i have a little tube that i will see if i can find uh, and it's used for comic relief all the time. Here we go. So anytime something like that happens or anyone just appears out of nowhere or hears a sound, it's just... <laughs> 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 so, of course, the comic relief character would have that sound available and ready. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it fits you very well. So, what about your characters? Uh, so... I imagine yours are a bit more regal than Orin. <laughs> <sighs> Not a... So... The one that I played longest was Elena Valken. She was a... So, the setup of that world that we were in was that there were different planes of existence, and you traveled on airships through portals to get to each plane. 
Um, and you would go through the astral plane to get through to everything. It was a big thing. So she have, came... Yeah, we have a very similar thing. Just pop on the next world. Yep. Uh, this one was a lot more bureaucratic. <laughs> okay. Um, it was it was more of a traditional D and D setup, and so she came from a world that I made up completely, and then our DM who did a lot of those sessions because I didn't want to be responsible for all of the details of it because I would I wanted to be surprised by some stuff if we ever went that direction. So what I did was I wrote up her entire backstory and sent it to the two other people who would do DMing so that if they ever decided to use any of her backstory, I would not know anything was coming. Um, but she came from a place called Roseline, which is uh, copyrighted. You're not allowed to use it because it's a name I'm very, very fond of. Um, and she came from a place that had this great life tree that was interwoven throughout everything. So her stuff was very much based around like life and death. And she was trained to be a knight. And then one day she had a dream where this giant uh, serpent spoke to her. Sneak. Yeah. I, so she came about because I, my friend Cal dared me to make a paladin that was a Slytherin. And so she had a dream from this giant snake that told her she needed to, you know, travel and help and help restore the balance in life. So her god, um, her deity became the god of balance. And it was this giant snake, uh, which was inspired for me by the world snake from Norse mythology. Except it was a lady. Um, in general. If, if it was to be spoken, it would sound like a female, most likely. Uh, not like the God of War one, just a... No, not that one. Um, so, she, on the day before she was supposed to fully become a knight, she ran away and went on this quest to see what was going on and what learn about herself because she knew that she was adopted and knew nothing else about herself. So, a lot of it... Uh, came from that backstory. She ended up being very much, like, not lawful good, but, like, neutral good, where, for the most part, she erred on the side of lawful good, but eventually started going insane because there were voices in her head <laughs> of the giant snake, and then this giant bird that was the god of endings, and it was a whole thing. She started feeling crazy, and there was a lot that went on with her. She came, became kind of like a Sailor Moon thing in the fact that my dm gave me a tiara i could throw <laughs> and all that but yeah elena was the one that i played longest and the most she was a paladin uh she was um i'm trying to remember what level we got to i don't know all i know was i got to smite everything every time and smiting is so nice ah uh, yes i have i haven't been able to use it yet but I did get the ability as a bard uh, about a level ago. I think it was when I got hit level 10. I was able to get uh, two spells from anything. Yep. As long as it wasn't a higher level spell than what I could could hit. Um, but it could be anything. And so one of them was Banishing Smite. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, when you're a paladin, once you get to a certain level, you c you just have one that doesn't use a spell slot. Or you have X amount, depending on what your level is. So, like, you can just backhand smite something if, <laughs> if it works for you for part of it and it's just, just like a little, you're gone <laughs> yep it's like 
but then I also bring down the heavens upon you. Uh, she fought with a spear. That was her uh, weapon of choice from her homeland. That's what the knights all used. And yeah, that's kind of where she came up. She had stupidly high stats because we, we didn't do the like, here are the numbers you have, assign them as you want. We did the roll for your stats and I rolled really well. And, and then our uh, one of our DMs when we were playing was like, I want to make up cool objects for people to find. Okay, DM tip. Don't give your people really powerful stuff right away. Yeah. <laughs> it screws you over so bad. So she had, like, crazy high perception because of these glasses and um, a psychic thing to her spear that she found. So, like, she got crazy powerful. And then I could fly for a while. <laughs> well, because uh, as a paladin, you can get the angel wings. Um, and so, oh, no, sorry, not as a paladin. Uh, she was an Asimar, so, or Asimir, however you want to say it. She was the half angel. So, for a while, she could, like, for a minute, she could fly. May I say that your character, I genuinely, genuinely mean this, sounds like they would be voiced by Laura Bailey. Yeah, you should hear about my second character. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was her. She, that's why, like, she knew she was adopted, because she was, like, this giant, lengthy, gawky kind of Asimir, Asimar, um, which are very, very, very tall. They're big. So, like, they didn't, they're not the size of a normal human. They're, like, the size of a very large human. And so, like, you could tell she was not from there. But, yeah. Almost like an Amazon kind of size. Yeah. Um, and then once we wrapped up with that campaign, I played a character named Juniper. She was a Ganassi. She was a fire Ganassi. And she was an actor. Uh, she traveled around all by herself. Um, and she was a phoenix sorcerer, which was from the, uh, the, like, add-ons that you can playtest from the Unearthed Arcana. And I found the phoenix sorcerer, which was all flame-based, so I was like, I'm gonna make a little fireball. And... Uh, Juniper was cool. She had an accent. I don't know if I can fall into that accent because I have not done her in a while. But it was very, like, Eastern European. Okay. And that was slightly inspired by Critical Role. But um, she just... I wanted to f finally play somebody who was not, like, the voice of reason of a group. And she was someone who, when they all entered this town... Uh, she found out there was a theater, and she was like, I could do act, I could do perform, I could do all these things. And she went up to the thing, and she was like, I would like to put on a show for you, and do all this stuff. And the people there, apparently, I was the only one in our party at that time that was not human, because I really like to play all the other things I can play. Um, and they were very, very, very prejudiced. And thus, I started marking people's doors with X's when they did something bad. <laughs> Just taking my finger and going... You know, there's a running joke in our campaign where Oren is like, are you in a band? Do you need a bass player? <laughs> That's always the question. So if our characters ever ran into each other, that would be the first question he would ask you. Are you in a band and do you need a bass player? Because uh, almost, a... I think with the exception of one time, I've always rolled extremely high in performance. And so it would just be like, we would go to a new place and imagine like little dwarves or whatever. And then all of a sudden, this dude just pulls out a bass guitar and just does slap bass and just blows your mind. And you're like, what is this nonsense? 
but it's it's always really fun and uh, I, I I like when you know silly things like that and uh, DMs have a sense of humor. I think that's a really good quality to have. Yeah. As a DM, uh, so a couple of things that have happened to my character. Uh, Let's see. I get yes. texts while he's playing, being like, "I just did this." Yes, because it's worth mentioning. Uh, it's it's been That's a okay. wild campaign. I seem to be very nice about it. Whenever I would text you about stuff, you're like, "Your people are weird." <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have some very interesting stories. We'll we'll yeah. say. Okay. Uh, so. It was, I think it was our, it was our first battle, and so they were like goblins or, or, well, I think in this case, Legend of Zelda, they were moblins. Anyway, like, low-level creatures, yep. just to get our first fight out of the way, and... It's almost always some variation of goblins yeah. for your first fight. Yeah, so thankfully Legend of Zelda has moblins, and so uh, I managed to kill one uh, with my swordfish rapier bass base, and uh, I used Vicious Mockery... And I gotta, how do you want to do this? And so the fun thing about spells like Vicious Mockery or Cantrips is that you can Say decide what, yeah. So I would just, just insulted him so hard and I just kept saying, you suck. You shamed <laughs> said, him to death. Yes. I shamed him so hard that he just bled through his, his brain and was dead. And then immediately after that, was the fight was over. And uh, this was before I had great perception. Uh, and everyone had to do a perception check to see if we would notice what happened after the battle. Well, I failed that. And <laughs> just for for kicks and giggles, my DM was like, uh, go ahead and... Because I, I just joked that I was like, yeah, I'm still continuing to just yell at this Dead. dead creature and insult it, insult its dead body, and he was like, "Roll me a d6 or something." And I rolled, and then he was like, "You shout at it, insult it so hard, its brain just blows up." So I just made my first fight. I made a, a moblin's head explode just from insulting it. <laughs> I also, uh, because we're going through familiar worlds and timelines with Legend of Zelda, uh, we were at the Ocarina of Time place, and let's just say. Uh, my charismatic bard almost broke the timeline for his flirtations and other things with Princess Bruto. Uh, and we even, I don't know if you guys have done this in your, uh, sessions, but we have musical accompaniment to kind of set the mood, and so we've had a couple of moments of eyes locking with NPCs and the, my mind's telling me no, <laughs> but my body... So we have all those sorts of things. Uh, we, in our main like campaign, we just did not do any sort of romance thing. I think there was one part where like our half-orc barbarian really liked this one person, but he was very dumb, so he just started... So he was someone who was extremely, extremely like negative intelligence until he got... <laughs> this magical necklace of tentacles of this uh, mind flayer that we killed and suddenly became like super intelligent but he was still kind of dumb just like a smart dumb and just started like writing poetry <laughs> for it but otherwise we really never did any of that we would just uh, our friend we would always play at his house he had a computer of like a library of music and we just like 
set the mood with different scores from yeah. things. Uh, Other than the one time we went to our like shopkeeper friend thing, and every time it was there, it was like rave music. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember once at my job, we we just had video game music playing, and there was the Legend of Zelda shop music. And the dude would just, like, bounce up and down. And so I was on the register, so I bounced up and down like he did in the shop. But uh, we would sometimes play the... That whole thing. And so, I don't know. I, I like campaigns where you can have a lot of fun. And I like when your DM can yes and whatever you mm-hmm. decide to do. Uh, so I'll say one other thing for my character. And then that was the last session we had. Yes, I got pinned by a column and spent the whole session trying to get that off of me and then catch up to my party. And then... They didn't help you at all? Huh? They didn't help you? No, because we all get separated. Oh, okay. Due to, like, switches and walls and stuff, we all get separated. Uh, Our ranger was all by themselves and managed to not die and uh, killed some, like, very high-level creatures. Uh, And so by the time we caught up, it was to the the main battle. And then... uh, I crit failed initiative and just almost got killed, but then I got healed, and so I finally. I know you was texted to, me. I'm dead. Yeah, I I managed to get one hit in, and I had summoned Bigby's hand, which we call Master Hand or Crazy Hand because it's just pretty yep. much what it is, uh, from Super Smash Brothers. And so it was. I made it appear behind someone, uh, and I rolled. He was like. Uh, I did a decent amount of damage, and he was like, you know what, go ahead and give me a, a charisma check. So I get a nat 20, and so the only thing I get to do the whole night is prepare yourself. It's going to get a little graphic. Uh, the Bigby's hand taint punched the <laughs> creature so hard, it team rocket blast off again, hit it so hard into another dimension, and we took the little figure for that character and set it aside and so, at some point, whenever our DM sees fit, is going to just just burst in like a missile and just hit, probably end up hitting the creature that we're fighting at the time. <laughs> but or it is cr- you. Or us. I think, for this case, for the humor's sake, it's probably just going to be like a missile and just, thoop, like a sniper shot, just thoop, hit something when we least expect it. So, I like little things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. Um, lots of lots of silly, memorable moments. I think with their next campaign, it's going to be a lot more serious, which I am looking forward to that as well. Yeah. But, you know, if we're going to have fun, we're going to have fun. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, a moment to bring up, because we had, like, some really interesting things with so many different... Would you like to explain the universe? Uh, sure. I'll do that, and I'll give you one other example of uh, adventures that we had. So, Casey's favorite thing to bring up when he like when I talk about D&D is the fact that we had uh, our same uh, half-orc barbarian. Uh, there was a wish, because he liked to eat stuff. There was a wish that he could just eat whatever he wanted or something like that. So, he grew a giant, like, ma- underbite mouth with tusks, and then could eat whatever. And we found out that it was because this wish had created a universe like a pocket universe inside his stomach. Now, that would be one thing, but anytime he would cough or sneeze, he would pop up these like little popcorn kernel balls. And they talked. They were alive. <laughs> we found out he had a popcorn universe inside of his stomach. And it was always like this running gag of like, can I eat this? 
what happens if I eat this? What happens to all these popcorn people if I eat this? And so he eats, uh, like, this giant slug thing. Not giant slug, but, like, a big slug, kind of like you see Ron barf up in Harry Potter. And we were just like, oh. And the DM just gave him a look like, did you really just eat this slug? Because <laughs> um, it was... It was not a good-looking slug. It was not, like, a normal thing. And then... Did he cast it with a wand with tape around it? No, he just... Uh, I forget what we were doing where he found it, but we were not in, like, a good place, and it was just crawling. It came out of something, and I don't remember what. But uh, fast forward, like, a f- quite a few sessions later, and he starts having, like, these dreams of this little popcorn princess uh, saying, Help us! Bozak, your only hope. I was expecting it to sound more like a uh, fluffy space princess. <laughs> Please help us. We need your help. <laughs> yeah, so um, he started having those dreams and like rumblings in his tummy. And then we're in my home, un- like homeland, hiding out in the sewers from all of these uh, city guards who want to kill us. And... He, you just start seeing his stomach like rumble until a demon burst out of his stomach, covered in like popcorn kernels and all of this. Hello, it, my baby. Hello, <laughs> my honey. Hello, my ragtime girl. Yep. And it was like this little thing, and it, it it was described as like a bulldog looking thing, but like a demon. So I picture kind of like Jack Jack when he turns demon, except bigger, and just burst out of the stomach. We managed to heal. Uh, our teammate, but attack this thing and it just ran off. And so he, it's still out there somewhere. But yeah, our car- our friend had a pocket universe full of popcorn people in his stomach that I had a really good campaign uh, set up for if we ever needed a mini campaign about being popcorn people in this thing in the time of the apocalypse. I was going to ask if you ever did like the Rugrats episode and went tiny into uh, the stomach. No, but I had something prepared if we ever needed a like mini thing because someone was gone uh but we never really got to it unfortunately fun fact i always really like those episodes of shows and like cartoons and stuff whenever they shrink and go inside someone's insides yeah it's fun makes really exciting things like magic school bus when you're sick you're like oh there's little people running around yeah they can save me um the only other thing i'll mention so we had a our bard was a battle cheerleader who was scarred for many, many years at war. <laughs> and that was played by our friend Ian. Uh, and her name was Courtney. And she actually was friends with this, like, traveling band on a ship. And so I feel like it's very apropos with your character. Uh, so we found her band uh, when we were on the astral plane because we were there for a while on this one ship. Um... And so we convinced them to help us overthrow this evil government that was controlling people through these crystals. They would take all of your talents and all of those kind of things. So, like, you touched it, you just become dumb. You're just, like, sheep people. Um, kind of like in My Hero. Yeah. When he uses his powers too much and just becomes dumb yep, temporarily. Exactly. And so they had taken over this, uh, like, station, and it was... We wanted to set everybody free because we thought if we destroyed all the crystals and did all that, everyone would be fine and we could take it back and these people were just really bad. So we came up with a plan, or I came up with a plan that I thought was fun because you can convince people with, uh, you know, song. 
So we wanted to hijack the uh, PA system to do like a magic song over the PA system of just like a like Live Nation kind of jam out. And we did. And we saved everybody on the spaceship with a lot of really failed stealth checks and a lot of space spiders. <laughs> did you get Swifty? We got Swifty with it. We showed them what we got. <laughs> but yeah, we had a lot of very, very odd things. Oh, that was when we had tables that we got onto and set sail. We floated around the astral plane for a while on like a picnic table thrown upside down with a sail attached to it because we had the right kind of sails to be uh, a ship in the astral plane. And you don't have to eat, so we didn't have to worry about surviving on it. Yes, so when you guys leave comments, please let us know if you agree with me and are on Team Casey on the fact that Amy's universe is very strange. You told me you hotbox somebody. (laughs) I have the... Spell stinking cloud. <laughs> I know, but I don't think popcorn universe is that weird when you're like, I hotbox somebody to death. It's a spell. It's an actual spell. Uh, yeah. So let us make sure to let us know if who you think Who's, has who has the weirder universe, <laughs> or who has the universe you think would be more fun to play in. Well. 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 Um, what would you? How would you recommend people get into D and D? Uh, I would think, I would say just find a group of people. I mean, it, it's not necessarily a, a requirement, but it's good to have somebody who has done it before and at least kind of has the knowledge and can, uh, guide you through. So mm-hmm. someone comfortable enough to be the DM for you. And I mean, that's really all you need. I think with the Lord of the, Lord of the Rings one, well, we had maybe one, pl- one or two players that was, um... That had, that had done it before. In mm-hmm. fact, one of them is in my current campaign. So, and that was like years and years, like Full five circle. or six years ago. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just have someone that's familiar with it and then, you know, just kind of start basic and, and, and allow your, uh, allow your party to become more confident and learn the rules. Mm-hmm. And so then you can start throwing some more challenging stuff at them. Uh, I mean, that, that, that's really it. I mean, from what I hear and from what I've experienced so far, 5th edition seems to be it's a prob- good one for beginners. Yeah, it's it's the most user-friendly. Yeah. Because I've, I've worked with, like, Pathfinder and Starfinder and those, and those are cool, but the... I mean, I already kind of know what I'm getting into and know how... Like, I can understand the math and the, the RPG side behind it. Mm-hmm. But if you're not one of those people, then maybe 5th edition would be the way to go. But other than that, just in general, is there a specific uh, edition that you like to use? Or, like, a preference and what? For me? Yeah. I really like 5th edition. I think it's very balanced. And I think it's very easy to jump in at any point and really understand. Because it doesn't have a lot of the over-complications of some of the previous ones. Yeah, I've seen some of the other ones. And 5th edition really just... It just makes sense. Yeah. it. I am never one to overcomplicate things. And I do fully believe that when it comes to things like D&D, the rules are like there to guide you to make your game easier. Are you saying they're, they're more like guidelines than actual rules? That's what I just said. And so, like... (laughs) Let me have this. Okay. And so I fully believe that creativity in having fun is more important than following the rules to a T. And so I think it just depends on what kind of game that you're looking to play. 
like the spells and stuff, there are pros and cons to following them to the letter, and there's pros and cons to following all the rules to the letter. I think it's you need to figure out what works best for your campaign, and I think it you don't have to start playing with like a lot of your close friends. Most of the people that I started playing with either I didn't know um, when I first first started, but when we got into our like the longest campaign that I did, it was all with people that I met at a bookstore. And I knew them okay. And afterwards, we got to be a lot better friends. And I talk to them still, even though we haven't played in a while. And it's D and D brings people together. And then life breaks D and D apart. Yes. <laughs> um. And so one of my goals is really to one start playing more again because I haven't played in a while, which is why like I haven't made a lot of D and D videos in a while because I haven't had as much like ready exposure to it lately um but i really want to do some kind of project with it whether it's a podcast or a video thing or whatever because i have so much love for it as a game and a form of expression and you you just the possibilities are so endless and i really want people to play it because it help it really does help you build your confidence in your own creativity i really like that you said it's form of expression because that's really what it is at the the bottom line of everything and so yeah, uh, but with life in the way, I always think of, there's a meme that was like, uh, you have my sword, and you have my bow, my axe is unavailable this Tuesday. <laughs> uh, there's another real. one that's like, alright, yes, we meet at this time, we are ready to fight, let us venture forth party, <laughs> I am unavailable this week, I am unavailable this week as well, <laughs> and just all of the... Scheduling conflict memes of D&D. Yeah, because the thing is, it's hard. Like, it really is, because people have so many different schedules. People have so many different commitments. But you you can make it work. Because once you do, I think it's totally worth it. I agree. And I look forward to playing more games in the future with same people, different people, all sorts of people. So let us know the characters that you've created, or if you've played D&D, or if you, maybe this podcast episode inspired you to play D&D, because you should. You can send us your write-ups, like what would your character name be, do you have a backstory, what kind of class would they be, what kind of race, all that kind of stuff. You can talk to us at hashtag talk nerdy to me, baby, or hashtag TNTMBB. Yeah, there you go. Now I did it. Uh, I think that would be it for this week. I am Amory by the Sea on all social medias. You can talk to me a, anywhere. I'm going to do a podcast check. Nat 20. Wow. Whoa. And it's not a lie. It's really there. I have a witness. So we'll, there you we'll go. We'll take a photo and post it. Critical success on this podcast. And that was for you guys. So I was like, roll for the success for all of our, all of our listeners. And so there you go. Actual Nat 20. It's a sign. Go forth and adventure. Go forth and dungeon and dragon. Yes. Until next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.